remember when I first uh, was pregnant, Dave and I were both teaching at a middle school. Try naming your child when you have 150 students combined and each one of those names gives you a gut-level reaction. <laughs> some good, some not so good. Inevitably, one of us would throw out a name and the other one would go, oh, that was a troublemaker. Can't do that one. Or no, that one was lazy. Oh, those parents, no, we don't, nope, don't want to be associated with that. On the flip side, I really loved the names Jenna and Hannah. I had the cutest, sweetest girls, Jenna and Hannah, the best nicknames for them, Jenna Benna, Hannah Banana. Three months before our child was born, one of our neighbors and friends had a girl and named her Jenna, so that ruled that one out. And then Dave, he put the kibosh to Hannah because for some reason he didn't want us to have a daughter whose nickname was Banana. Go figure, I don't know. So we picked Madison. It was a really popular name at the time. There were lots of Madisons, but none of our friends or family had anybody with the name Madison yet. And Dave and I both had students that we knew with that name who were super sweet. What's in a name? Well, today we're going to talk about Mary. Which Mary, you might ask? Which Mary, you might ask? Which Mary? A good question. I am so glad you asked. Up until recently, I was very confused about all of the Marys who were in the Bible. And with good reason. Maybe you can relate to me on this one. The name Mary is mentioned 50 times in the Bible. In the Old Testament, it's mentioned two times from the derivative Miriam. And in the New Testament, it's mentioned six to nine times, depending on your source and opinion. But we know that we can confirm six Marys in the New Testament. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary Magdalene. Mary of Bethany. Mary, the mother of John Mark. Mary of Rome. And then in Mark, we find Mary, the mother of Joseph and James. Are you confused yet? Now, I was a product of the 80s. Well, actually, if I'm being honest, I was born in the 70s, but let's just stick with the 80s. I'm a product of the 80s, and there was a rap group that came out, very controversial at the time. Their name is Run DMC, probably one of the most tame rap groups that are out there now. They had a song that in the chorus said, Mary, Mary, why you buggin'? Now, I promised my kids that I wouldn't sing it to you, but if you know the song, you're probably singing it to yourself in your head. Every time a pastor would get up and mention Mary, I would be the one bugging, trying to figure out who in the world they were talking about. So today, I'm going to do my best job to keep us from bugging and to help us all get to know Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is mentioned in all four Gospels. She's mentioned 12 times more than most of the Apostles. Her name, Magdalene, is from the city that she was born in. She's from the ancient Jewish city, Magdala, which is on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. It was known as a fishing town. Magdala actually means town or castle tower. So we could infer that maybe she came from the fishing industry, and that's where she got some of the money that we read about in the scripture verses for today. 
Luke 8, 1 through 3. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. This passage is unique within the Gospels because it gives a list of the women who follow Jesus in the same way that his disciples did. And they are shown to be providing for him and giving him support. Luke shows Jesus is one who showed great respect for women in a culture where they were often treated as less than. And Mary Magdalene, one of those women, came to Jesus with seven demons. And the Bible tells us that demons are fallen angels that join Satan in rebelling against God. They're described as impure spirits, deceiving spirits, powers of this dark world. We also read that Satan and his demons can inflict harm on earth by possessing people to cause them spiritual and physical harm, blinding the minds of unbelievers so that they can't see the light of the gospel, deceiving people by disguising themselves as servants of righteousness, promoting false teachings, and tormenting believers. Mary Magdalene had seven demons. Seven is a number that's repeated often in the Bible, referring to a completeness, implying that when the evil spirits dominated Mary Magdalene, her suffering was extremely severe. She was most likely battered and bruised, injured and in agony, Mary Magdalene had lost all control, all dignity, everything that she had known in her previous life. No amount of beauty she may have possessed or money she had in the bank could save her from these tormenting spirits 24-7. She certainly had life circumstances and the work of Satan working against her, keeping her feel, feeling as though she weren't seen or known by God. Yet she was. Jesus can do the impossible. Jesus saw her, knew her heart, and healed her. We don't need to get into the details of demon possession versus oppression, but because we live in a fallen world, I'm sure that all of us at one point in our time have either faced a crisis or maybe we're currently in the middle of a crisis. We've all had moments of feeling overwhelmed, lonely, fearful. In Jeremiah 31, 1 through 9, God's people found themselves in that kind of desperate place. They were in the middle of a crisis and they needed to know that God was with them. So God appeared to them and he said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. God continues to say, See, I will bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the lame, expectant mothers and women in labor. A great throng will return, 
They will come with weeping. They will pray as I bring them back. I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble. God promises to lead his people, particularly those who need it most. The blind and the lame, the hurting and helpless, you and me, these are the kinds of people that God gives special attention to. God will turn our tears to tears of joy. He will lead us to streams of living water. And he will set our feet on a path so that we will not stumble. That's exactly what Jesus did for Mary Magdalene. He took one look at her, knew who she was, saw the crisis she was in, and chose to do what we may think is impossible, but not him. He healed her. Now, I'm not a gardener. I'm surprised my children are still alive. I literally have fake plants on my porch. There, I admitted it. But there was this girl who loved to look outside of her bedroom window at the beautiful flower bed that her family had. One day she looked out the window and she noticed that all of the beautiful, colorful flowers were being taken over by thistles. You know thistles, like the prickly things you need to wear, wear gloves to take them off. I've got words. So she said, I don't want these weeds to take over. I am going to go out there and restore that garden to its original beauty. My mom and dad are going to be so proud of me. So she picked up her little bucket and she went outside and she started to pull these weeds up by the root and put them into her bucket. And one by one she went. She was determined, believing that she alone would conquer the weeds and return that bed to its original glory. After a while, however, she began to look over her progress. She realized that she had only gotten a small corner of the entire flower bed done. Where she did pull, she also pulled the weeds and flowers up by their roots. So she was getting so discouraged, realizing that that job was just too big for her. Overwhelmed, she put her bucket away, went inside, and washed her hands. So often, we can be like this little girl, working to try to save ourselves from the weeds, from that crisis that we find ourselves in the middle of, from those demons that we are fighting against, only to realize that those problems are far too deeply rooted. We may want to just put our buckets away and wash our hands, because on our own, we feel overwhelmed and want to give up. But Jesus is enough. There was nothing Mary Magdalene could do to heal herself. No amount of wealth, no amount of work could have rid her of her demons, get her out of that crisis that she faced. Then came Jesus, who changed the trajectory of her life. After being healed and given freedom from her suffering, she spent the rest of her life serving Jesus out of the gratitude that she experienced. Mary Magdalene went on to support Jesus' ministry, both financially, as we read in Luke, and then also in Mar Matthew and Mark, we read that she was caring for his needs physically as well. Out of her overwhelming gratitude, Mary Magdalene followed Jesus. She didn't just support him 
from the comfort of her living room. She physically got up and followed Jesus wherever he led. We know from Luke that Mary Magdalene was with Jesus in Galilee during a very active time in his ministry. He began, he began his Galilean ministry preaching in synagogues, and then he went out to all of the cities and to the towns, and Mary Magdalene followed him. She was so thankful for the way that Jesus healed and transformed her life that she was even willing to follow him into dangerous territory, and she was with him at the cross. In Mark, we read, some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. She was in Galilee caring for his needs, and now she's found at the cross. She's watching from a distance. I think that's important to note. She's not at the foot of the cross with the mockers and the masses. She's standing away, watching from a distance, ready to care for her need, his needs if it is permitted. While many disciples, like Peter, as we heard last week, were quick to leave Jesus during a time when his life was dangerous, Mary Magdalene stayed and followed Jesus no matter the cost to herself. Now, it may be because she was braver than Peter, but it's also most likely that it's because she was less likely to be arrested for being there due to the fact that she was a female. Mary Mag Magdalene was also at the burial site. We find in Mark that she saw the tomb where Jesus was laid after Joseph of Arimathea went to Pontius Pilate and, and asked for Jesus' body. It says in Mark the, that Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph saw where he was laid. She was met by Jesus. He healed her, transforming her life, and out of her gratitude, she followed Jesus, no matter the cost. Jesus invites you to follow him too. Mary Magdalene, by all accounts, had it all and then promptly lost it all. How humbling it must have been to have seven demons but it does help us understand what fueled her generosity and dedication, giving all that she had to Jesus. He had freed her and transformed her life. No matter what you may be going through right now, no matter what demons you may be fighting, God loves you with an everlasting love. And his greatest way of revealing that love to us is through his son, Jesus Christ. John 3, 16, 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. He's not pointing a finger at Mary Magdalene because she has seven demons. He's not accusing you of trying to get yourself out of that crisis. No, God sent Jesus into the world to save the world. God invites you to experience the saving, transformative power of Jesus. Maybe for the first time you recognize Jesus is who he says he is and you want that relationship with him today. Or maybe... You see that you've been working hard to get yourself out of a crisis. 
You need to renew your commitment to him. Invite him into that mess. Mary Magdalene shows us that giving all you are and all you have to follow Jesus brings along a reward that is greater than we can ever imagine, and that's a relationship with him himself. The healing that took place in her life on the account of his miraculous presence inspired the dedication of his life. She followed him from Galilee through the burial. Her longing to be close to Christ and serve him in any way she could became the way she lived her life, not just from her living room, but at work and at school, in her neighborhood, with her friends. Listen, I can't possibly know everyone's story, but I'm pretty confident that somewhere here in the worship center or watching us online, there is someone who is facing their own demons. There is a family that is finding themselves in the middle of a crisis, a marriage that is broken and needs miraculous healing powers. Please know that if you are pulling those weeds out on your own and think you're never going to be enough for God, Mary Magdalene shows us all that there isn't anyone who is too far gone. There isn't any situation that's too difficult for Jesus. In Isaiah it says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. I will uphold you with my right righteous hand. Mary Magdalene knew this, and we can claim it too. Do not fear. God is with you. Stop trying to pull the weeds on your own. Let God strengthen you. Let him help you. Now, Pastor Kevin oftentimes will share his love of baseball with all of you. Most of you who have watched Pastor Justin or interacted with him knows he likes soccer. In my house, we like lots of sports, but if I were to tell you which sport was talked about the most, it is definitely NFL football. Wow. All right. So some of you knew. Shout out to Caleb, who's watching us on the van on the way home from Fusion, I hope. So we are watching this show right now called Beyond the Edge. And we started watching it because we saw that Mike Singletary and Ray Lewis were on it. And because we love football, we wanted to see what they had to say. Well, Mike Singletary, if you don't know, is an NFL player who is Hall of Fame, all pro, went to the Super Bowl, spent some time as a coach. Just a really outstanding player. But he's more than that. Singletary is an ordained minister and a devout evangelical Christian. In an interview, he once said, To me, Christ means everything. But Mike Singletary didn't always have it easy. He grew up one of ten in a small wooden framed home. When he was in elementary school, one of his brothers passed away from a small house fire. Tragedy struck Mike Singletary again when he was in high school. And his brother, who was more like a father figure to him, passed away from a drunk driving accident. Mike Singletary was certainly facing a crisis. And Jesus met him there. He could have chosen to take a negative route and make some choices that would lead him in a destructive way. But instead, he allowed Jesus to heal him and change the trajectory of his life. And because of that, he follows Jesus wherever he goes. And on the show Beyond the Edge, he's in front of all of these celebrities that he's on there with and in front of the camera showing the world his faith in God. 
The very first episode, he said, no one knows it all. It's not what you're doing that makes you special. It's just being in the moment. I am here to hear from God. I want to hear his voice. I don't want to miss it. Who cares if I appear like I don't have it all together? Don't waste it and be receptive to its coming. When you wake up in the morning, expect something great and outstanding. When you wake up in the morning, are you able to expect something great and outstanding? Are you saying, God, I want to hear your voice today? Because I know no matter what crisis you might be facing, no matter what demon you are fighting, Jesus can still do the impossible. He has the power to heal you in that moment. And while you're waiting, he will strengthen you. He will lead you to streams of living water. And he will set your feet on a path so that you will not stumble. Because Jesus is enough. You don't need to do it on your own. He's inviting you to follow him. Will you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, I am so glad that you sent your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, that we don't have to do this on our own. That there is miraculous healing that takes place in the lives of individuals and families. And God, I just pray right now for those families who are crying out to you, for those people who are facing the demon of addiction, for the families who are crying for their children who are making decisions that just break their hearts, for the marriage right now that is broken, for the individual who's watching us and is feeling alone, like they're not seen or known. God, may they know that, that you are enough, that there's nothing that we need to do except to make the choice to follow you. May today be the day that they do that. God, we will give you all the glory, all of the praise, for you deserve it. It's in your holy name we pray, amen.